0: Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris and this week I'm looking for the best book in the world about revenge. Bum, to help bum, me, bum. our two petty high school English teachers, Ian and <laughs> Joe. Hi, Nick. My name is Joe Holshoe. I'm
1: a vengeful high school English teacher. I, it's something I've been no, trying revenge. to quash as I get older, but it's it's it just keeps bubbling to the surface. Uh, I'm a high school English teacher, and if you are looking for the best book about revenge, I brought a book from 1938 called mm. "The Beast Must Die." Rawr.
2: Uh, Good day, Nick. Good day, Jowan. Good Good day day to you, lit heads. Today, you might hear a little bit of a a plummy note in my voice as I step back into my familiar robes as a doctor of Shakespeare to tell you about a very old revenge story, a play entitled The Spanish Tragedy. From the fifteen hundreds, is this like the Scottish play? Like, is there some
1: superstition around this? Like, are you not allowed to say its real name? Ian, this is this play is from a
2: time when people were not particularly creative with titles. Mm -hmm. A guy who said, "Hey, I'm gonna write a play. It's gonna be a tragedy play. It's gonna be about Spanish people. Might as well call it." the spanish tragedy
1: i really like it because this is how my students also title things right they're like english essay i'm like guys you can't turn in 50 essays <laughs> called english essay sorry mr holshoe <laughs> romeo and juliet
0: essay <laughs> that's how i name my files
1: <laughs> that's how students name their essays <laughs> May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders.
0: Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely enough,
2: every author <laughs> was at some point a racist.
0: Audiobooks don't count, right?
2: All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> what What's the best revenge you guys have ever exacted on people? I like to browse that on subreddit it, on reddit It's called a subreddit called malicious compliance and it's like the ways the ways people have kind of like maybe a boss, maybe a coworker, maybe a customer is like kind of insisting on something being being done the wrong way, and so they do it the mm-hmm. wrong way and then the customer ends up in a, in a load of trouble. I love those kinds of revenge stories. the petty ones. Yeah, I always wish it could be me. It's I've never done something that cool. So do you guys have cool revenge? And maybe not like killing your your entire, you know, enemy's family because they mm-hmm. slighted
0: you in Verona once. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm really torn between telling two stories. Tell them
0: both, Joe. <laughs> we're we're not gonna do an episode today. Okay. We're just gonna listen to your stories. I'm gonna try to keep this short.
1: When I was in high school, I had a girlfriend and then we broke up and she started dating a different boy who was Uh-oh. a friend of mine. She started this- dating a different boy who was a friend of mine. Oh, and okay. I decided to get revenge on that boy, right? On this boy.
0: Okay. Not on and, her. No, not on her. No. Okay. On, on the boy because it was his on fault. The, <laughs> on the boy. It was his <laughs> fault. Ian, <laughs> come on. This makes total sense. Anyway, as you are saying. attention. <laughs>
1: So, it also so happened, there's a parallel uh, secret farm story here. Oh, it also Jesus so happened. Jesus <laughs>
2: Christ.
0: <laughs> At the time,
1: we had a cow that had broken its leg. And the rule for butchering cows for human consumption, oh, you might remember no. this from Where's the fast food, going? is that for the cow to get butchered and, and be consumed for humans, they have to be able to walk on the trailer by themselves and walk oh, off yeah, the trailer Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and it's to stop you from butchering, like, sick cows and things like that. So we were in this weird situation <laughs> where we had a totally healthy cow, except it had a broken leg. So we couldn't sell it for human consumption. So we decided to butcher it ourselves. Um, we, like, we like hung it up in the shed. We skinned it. We cut it into meat. Did you kill it first? Yeah. We, wait, we at what point killed did it first. Sorry, we also killed it. But at the end of this whole process, we had all like, we had everything finished, and we had this cow head at the end of this whole process, <sighs> and I put goodness. that cow head in a black garbage bag, and I brought it to where my <laughs> friend's this is car insane. was. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I saran wrapped it. To- <laughs> Ian, did you know this story existed? Because this is fucking nuts. Joe's going full psychopath. <laughs> He's going full godfather. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go full godfather. <laughs> I no, surround wrapped no, it to no, my friend's car. Be-
1: I surround wrapped a cow head to my friend's car. Is my revenge wow.
2: story? And I think he got it. I think he got the point. And and uh, Joe, just to be clear, <laughs> oh what God. was the point? <laughs> um, to. Uh-huh. Please, to, please don't date my girlfriend. Please, please don't, don't date but, my
1: but girlfriend. Your girlfriend. <laughs> well, but she was, and I still really <laughs> liked her. So,
2: oh my god. heads, if you're wondering this which of, I know the lit heads kind of have, maintain running rankings of, of which you don't know that podcast co-host they would most or least like to cross. And I think <laughs> Joe is emerging as the person not to cross because he'll put livestock pieces on your, on your modes of yes, transportation. I surround, wrap them to your car.
0: So, when I made the joke the other week about how you should take those fast food strip smells and put them mm-hmm. on people's hubcaps, yeah. so it smells like beef, you basically did that, but you didn't do the little the little strip. No, you did I a didn't do the like cow strip. Head.
1: I just did the head,
0: yeah. the head of the cow. Cow, what did it smell like?
1: It was actually kind of fine. It was pretty fresh. Like we brought it home that night and, and uh, got rid of it. It was, it was, okay. let him, it was actually let marinate. it was pretty civilized,
0: wait, all said wait, and
2: done. Wait. This is more like a sight gang. This wasn't like, and now you have to live with this. Joe, no,
1: I didn't like put it in his bed with him. And that would be insane. I wicked. put it on his car. I rang his doorbell. He came out and saw it. And I was like, boom, revenge. Wait, <laughs> did it. you talk to him after this? Uh, yeah, he actually um, grabbed the cow by its ears and he chased me with it. Um,
0: <laughs> like in a fun way, Joe, had, or in a terrifying way? Kind of
2: like, like in between. Those two things. If you had stopped, Joe, after I surround wrapped it and put it onto his car, I would have thought you were this kind of monumental, <laughs> scary, like, pseudo-Viking warrior. Now right. this sounds, this this is going kind of, the needle is tipping back into teenage high school shenanigans. Yeah, it really walked the line. That
1: was the relationship that we had. We were, we were frenemies. You might say that we were frenemies. Joe, you would have gone
0: full viral if this happened now. <laughs> cancelled. Not cancelled, but... Well. Definitely a million views, for sure. This would have been recorded.
1: (laughs) So, Nick, would you like to follow that up with your own tale of
0: revenge? Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't really do that. I just, if somebody slights me, I just, they're dead to me. You know what I mean? Like, I just, Mm. I walk away and Mm. they don't exist anymore.
2: Your revenge on
0: them is denying them your future company.
2: Yeah.
1: That's really nice. That's very high-minded of you. Yeah. Really? Or yeah. petty. I don't... I actually don't know. No, I'm not
0: saying I don't think about them constantly. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, Lit Heads. Do you know lit? A weekly, as we call it, Strongly Podcast, <laughs> where every sad. week Joe's insane. And <laughs> we mean, bring two book Joe Saran wraps something to our, <laughs> our cars. <laughs> the proverbial Saran wrapping of books to our minds. What, what and, will it be this week? Yes, thank you. And... um. And uh, we just to upset one of them, although I think, uh, Joe, uh, you're not going to lose this week. Um, uh, Because I'm serious about it. I head not to be wrapped to my car. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) We we do like to upset one of them by picking a winner. And we have some show rules to keep us on on track here. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joseph. That's already broken. And rule number three, only winning matters. Um, So, Joseph, do you want to take 30 seconds? And tell us what's wrong with you. Absolutely. (laughs) Or tell us about your book. Either one. I
1: I think I'll tell you about my book. Nick, I'm going to kill a man. I don't know his name. I don't know where he lives. I have no idea what he looks like. But I'm going to find him and kill him. After his young son is run down and killed by a speeding car, mystery novelist Frank Cairns is angry. When the police fail to trace the culprit, he takes the investigation into his own hands, and when he finds the guy who did it, he proceeds well, it, you'll, you'll kind of see what happens. Um, he tracks him down Nick, and uh, it's not pretty. Uh, my book is written by Daniel Day-Lewis's dad, a guy named Cecil Day-Lewis Poet Laureate of England in 1938. It's 100 pages long and it's among the best revenge books I've ever read.
2: Sounds good. Mm-hmm. I do have one follow-up question. How many revenge books have you read?
1: I've read this and The Three Musketeers and okay. The Count of Monte
2: Cristo. Okay, so we're looking at three. Mm-hmm.
0: So three it's books. Best. Great best Three, three books. three. Well, no,
1: three. I actually think the other two might be better.
2: <laughs> the,
1: but they're so long.
2: Ian? Listen, people been revenging for centuries. But if you want the OG revenger, the archetypal dude, the one that everybody imitates, you gotta go Geronimo. He's a Spanish fellow Hieronymus. who gets stomped on real good by the fates and fortune. And then he tries to stomp back. Uh, my, my book this week is extravagant. It's archetypal and it's very, very violent. I brought a play, a very old play from 1592, written by a contemporary of Shakespeare called The Spanish Tragedy. I'll give you three guesses what nationality Geronimo is. Uh, number one,
1: Native American.
0: Incorrect. Oh, I'm going to go probably somebody the Spanish conquered. Oh uh, everybody. <laughs> okay. Also incorrect. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to say a region of Spain.
2: Is he Basque? He's not Basque. He's oh. just garden variety Spanish. Just so regular somehow, Spanish. Somehow, mm, uh, somehow, somehow you all f- failed that one. Somehow. Mm. Somehow. <laughs> I just, we Every see week, it coming. new,
1: new deaths. <laughs> How would you like to be a playwright who was a contemporary of Shakespeare? That would be so annoying.
0: So annoying. What a poor time to be a writer, huh? It's mm-hmm. just like, oh man. It's like being a band around the Beatles. Although there mm-hmm. were a lot of successful uh, bands at the time of the Beatles, Rising Tides. Were there right, a lot do- of really other successful writers during the time of Shakespeare, Ian? There are
2: people who are more successful than Shakespeare in his lifetime, but mm. there's really nobody from Shakespeare's <laughs> who? Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a guy named Ben Johnson who was very well thought of. Uh there was a guy named Thomas Middles- Middleton Sh- Middleton. At the time. At yes. the time. Oh, that and, is a key. And modern modern scholars are like, yes, their work is great. Some people prefer some scholars prefer their work to Shakespeare, but but they're like the contrarian right? like,
1: scholars who right. the other scholars don't talk to at the mixers, right? They were like, like the their-
0: haters at the time, right? Like fuck mm-hmm. Shakespeare, that guy's too popular. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> fuck the Beatles, that guy's too big. <laughs> this guy, guy that
2: good. this, Just boy this guy, Ben Johnson, uh, is on record as really not kind of having a, had a great relationship with Shakespeare because Johnson thought he was fancy, and he thought Shakespeare wasn't fancy and mm, um, common haters. He ended he ended his, his their interaction by uh, uh, writing a poem for a a volume of Shakespeare's work that said, you know, Shakespeare wasn't really that intelligent or well-educated, but his plays are good anyway.
0: Yeah, so this is interesting. Let's talk about this. How how does this thing read? Because it's a play. Do people read plays a lot? Is that a thing? Do people like that or just Uh, if you have to? If if you're assigned
2: one for school, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: it's tough. When I read a play, I like to have a class (laughs) do it for me because I think reading a play by yourself is tricky. Like you got to change the
2: voice all the time, and then there's stage directions. You 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 got to kind of murmur to yourself. Mm -hmm. You got to change back and forth between the voices. Oh Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Not that father. Oh, it is me. the east, near the of the sun. Yeah. Uh, you <laughs> got to like change it back and forth as you read it quietly to yourself. I think plays read like a, like a dream, but that's because I've had a lot of practice reading plays. It's so true. That's I would true. recommend actually this week, I would recommend you see the Spanish tragedy and maybe don't read it. That's my, that's my recommendation because I feel like it's a play, which, which as wonderful as it is to read, it's, it's even better live on the stage because there's there's just so much there's wait so much wait wait you're saying that a play is better on the stage better than it is uh, to read by yourself yes. I, I'm taking the strong stands here folks okay
1: well whatever. you come, you, you, come
2: as you don't know that for controversial opinions okay so I'll tell you about what happens in my play how about that would that be good would you like That's, no that'd be great so Delic okay in my play there is there is uh, there is a guy there's this the dude himself Hieronimo our, our main character and he this is a huge simplification because the play is quite complex. He is, he is a courtier in the Spanish court, and he undergoes a host of troubles mostly related to his family and dying. Okay. I'm just going to stop you right there. What's a courtier? Yeah. Uh-huh. A courtier is a dude who is like not the king, but he's sort of prancing around the king, helping the king do a good job. They kind of just like hang out and be fancy, don't yes. they? Yes. But yeah. he's, he's also, he's kind of like advisor? a legal figure. Yeah, I was like an advisor. He's an older dude. He's like late middle age. So he's um he's oh. the, the he's the
0: the the figure of law. So at one point in the play it's like when the Beatles had Maharaja there. The It's kind of <laughs> exactly like advice. that. Yes.
2: There's there's that's the closest. That's actually in my notes um that, that's what <laughs> that's the connection I made. So he's he's just uh he's he's um a kind of a, a kind of a, a cop or a judge figure, I guess. He sentences people to death when they've been naughty. Oh, I can do um, that.
0: I will be your courtier.
2: <laughs> just that. <laughs> Kill him. Um, so he's just, he's just yes. hanging around the court and he's, in, he's in a pretty good position when the play starts. Cause like he's a courtier and the King trusts him and loves him and sure. he has a nice family, but his son gets murdered, uh, stabbed. And then his son's girlfriend Never good. writes him, uh, Geronimo, our main character, a Geronimo. letter in her own blood. She's, what? She's, what? she's she's imprisoned and the only way she can write a letter is in her own blood and the letter okay. says here is letter the identity ouch 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 Ouch! Ouch! that's good job. i'm bleeding a very good it hurts joke. like hell <laughs> really 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 what yeah, a waste smudgy. of blood if that's what she wrote oh my
1: god probably wasn't a very long letter she
2: she is she because her she's there she's there when her her boyfriend the the son is is stabbed and so she sees who does it and they they kidnap her she sends a letter written in her own blood saying, here's who the murderers are. And um, once she's done, that is when the killing spree really sort of ratchets up. Uh, one murderer murders another murderer, and then gets executed for it. Hieronimo's wife ends her own life. Um, there are I will stop spoiling at this point, but there are about seven or eight deaths in the course of three pages at the end. It's just like death, death, death. You know, what the end of you know, at the end of um, the good, the bad and the ugly when there's like twenty five minutes of guys uh, p- pointing guns at each other and scowling, no, no, yeah. they're not shooting.
0: Oh wait, uh, yeah,
2: they're uh, staring. Uh, uh, they're staring. This would be like that, but if instead of instead of staring at each other, they were just actively shooting each other. There's just, there's just so much.
0: There's so much back and forth violence. I can see you're confused, Nick. I, I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure if I have my head wrapped around this plot, but all I can think about is when was the word geronimo invented when was, <laughs> when was that first
1: i'm also oh this, this is well, this
2: is well this is this is obviously well before it was applied to the native american guy um i thought it was when you did cannonballs into a pool <laughs> well that's the origin as
1: everybody knows the word geronimo started in the 1980s and uh, public pools all across america right but Billy, it was <laughs> jerry geronimo <laughs> I'm looking
0: up hey, the, Jerry, I'm looking Jerry, up the origin on, the of the He right does now. this thing where he jumps in and shoves his own legs into his body. I <laughs> he yells I miss Jerry something. every time he does it. <laughs> Ian, I, I'm not sure I understand the plot of your book here. So uh, okay. there's a, it's very, it's, I'll, I'll simplify it even further for
2: you. There is a yeah, guy, there is a dude, there is a dude, yeah. and he is put upon by basically everyone and also bad luck. And so he goes a little bit mad and then tries to, Take revenge on the world, basically Wait, I thought the the girl was going to do the revenge well, she gets involved I'm really trying hard to avoid some spoilers because because again that those last three pages are very very thick with spoilerific things, but she's involved she's right. there uh she's helping certainly um because she wants revenge she's like a secondary revenger. um the okay. main avenger is team revenge she's definitely team revenge she's definitely um team my boyfriend was stabbed and then hung from a tree and so i want to have his stabbers uh brought to not justice it's not justice it's
0: death it's petty revenge death
2: i mean the thing about the word petty is it's so it seems small and yeah these are like these are there is there are there are like lakes of blood figuratively speaking i don't know i feel like revenge
1: It's not an admirable thing to seek, Yeah. Right. Like like we we don't we don't admire people that seek revenge, but there's something very, very human in seeking revenge. Like it's incredibly satisfying when you see it executed well, when you seek it out yourself, whatever it is. Yeah.
2: You don't feel great about it, but you feel good about it. Yeah. This is this is one of the weird things about revenge stories from this time period, because Shakespeare does them too. Hamlet, which you may have heard of. Is a revenge story. Mm-hmm. Hamlet wants revenge on his uncle. who
0: Also, lots of death at the end. Lots
2: of death. Mm-hmm. This is a classic That's thing. And, and classic revenge thing. The, the, it's the, almost the pro- like nobody's the winner. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is like you guys are. You guys are articulating all the things that people were talking about in regard to these revenge stories. Is like yes, there's something primarily satisfying about the, the the bad guy getting what's coming to him. At the same time, you can't feel good about just a murder stab spree. And let me, let me be clear. This story is incredibly graphic. Um, there are stabbings on stage. Um, Stabity stab, 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 stabology. There are shootings. Mm-hmm. There are hangings. As I mentioned last week in the teaser, there's a, a guy who bites his tongue out on stage and then p- spits it on the stage. That's, uh, that's, Oh,
1: that's so cool. Because like that means in the 15th in century the, or whatever this was 1500s, yep. that they had to have some sort of,
0: Prop. Yep. Uh Joe would have been there with a cow's head for sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or a
1: cow town, for example, example? or
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> um,
2: my favorite kind of moment of, of graphic Okay. My favorite moment of
0: graphic violence. Yeah, tell us play. the nastiest thing that happens. Um, there's <laughs> the a scene where there's a,
2: one character. I'm not going to say who one of these characters there's as you remember at this point, there are several people who want revenge on each other. There's one character who's trying to get revenge on some people and so he stages a play for the king and he casts himself and his buddy opposite as antagonists to the people that he wants to kill. So you got a play within a play here going on. And this is by the mm-hmm. way, our, our trope of the <laughs> week.
1: Wow, 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 wow. Thank you, Joe.
2: Good job. Uh, the trope of the week is the show within a show. This is like um, itchy and scratchy on the Simpsons where yeah. you've got a, a thing and then it's got the inset story. And usually the inset story is kind of commenting on or representing on the, the larger. So itchy and scratchy on the Simpsons kind of, is, is, is a cartoonish, or Terrence and Phillip in South Park, is a cartoonish exaggeration of an already exaggerated cartoon.
0: Okay. Or all modern
2: lazy writing. Yeah, I'll write that too. Uh, so in this play within a play, there's this guy, he wants to get revenge. He casts himself and his buddy opposite his enemies. And he's like, hey, we're going to do a tragedy for you, O-King. Look, we have our daggers. And now in the play, we'll <laughs> fake stab those people.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. yeah.
2: But they actually are real daggers. Yeah, and they I stabbed them for real. And then... Big mistake. Big
1: mistake was made. Well, no,
2: it's not a mistake. It's, wait, it, it's absolutely it, it, on it purpose. In- yeah. The the <sighs> revengers,
0: the revengers in that case do get their revenge. If this is, if revenge books are all about how satisfying it is at the end. Right. How satisfying is this book? I would say, I would say it is... Remember, you're trying to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say right. I
2: would say it's it's satisfying, <laughs> but it also is it's it's of an era where they couldn't really like say, okay, now people, remember the best way to solve your problems is doing revenge. So go out and stab that guy who owes you sixpence. Like they had right. to kind That's of That's
1: inviting chaos. That's inviting chaos in the populace.
2: Yeah, they had to right. keep it legal. So so this is this is a play which ends up saying, yes, revenge is bad, revenge is not great, but also but. this guy sure did. Um, there's a ghost that sort of sits on stage for most of the play, kind of commenting on the revenge that's happening and being like, eh, I wish this oh, would hurry wow. up, wish this revenge would hurry up. And at the end, <laughs> the ghost is like, the ghost is like, all right, that was some good revenge. That's what I came that's here what for, I, baby. That's what I avoided the afterlife
1: <laughs> for. That's why I, that's why I well, just he's, remained chained to this mortal coil. He can't
2: go into the afterlife dele- until <laughs> he's revenged, and then he's revenged, and he's like, okay, sweet. Um, Now let's take those guys to hell that just got revenge
0: killed. Oh, it's the murdered guy? Yeah. 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 Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. good. And then he's like, let's take them to hell and do some torture on them. Come on, let's go. Are you ready? Let's go. Come on, let's go. You know, there's always these sad things
1: that chain ghosts to the earth. You know, like, like ghosts are always a a cautionary tale. You don't want to be a ghost. You want to move on. Right. But I love the idea that like the thing that keeps him chained to the earth is he's been wronged and he is not leaving until he sees (laughs) the guy who screwed him.
2: (laughs) Dad. And the ghost, the ghost is hanging out with the, the literal embodiment of revenge. He's got the God of revenge sitting next to him and he keeps asking the God of revenge. Hey, is that revenge going to happen anytime soon? Cause you kind of did prom miss me that we're gonna have some and the god of revenge is like get just just stop hold your horses it's coming so it's
0: cheeky yeah this is the thing so like this is this is the weird bit about this story it is I didn't really pick up on that until you said the guys there cracking wise Weis- <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like those it's like the old Muppets that it is the it's theater. like Starler yeah. World
2: kill him, kill. <laughs> Exactly these aren't very this isn't very good revenge if you ask me. Are you, are you familiar with the, the way that Robert Rodriguez does violence in his films
0: uh graphically, I
2: think it's, it's like the short over the version, top. yeah like people's legs get sawed over off. the top exactly or the other the other image would be like the Black Knight in A Monty Python on the Holy Grail when mm-hmm. he gets his, his limbs chopped off and there's just like little kind of nasty fountains of blood it is yeah. this is so grotesque that it is over the top, and it becomes almost cartoonish you can't help but laugh like I, I keep coming back to that tongue being being bitten out and spit on stage because it's gross. It's super gross and super violent, gross. but also like with Joe, I'm like wondering, but how did they do that? Did they have like a, <laughs> did he have like a, like a little piece of like a cloth? He would just be like, Bleh. but how is he talking around the piece- Cause he has a long monologue before he spits out. Oh, he's got a
1: lot of lines first.
2: So probably not. Well, a does he talk. like, does he like kind <laughs> of turn around and be like, uh, now know I will go over here to do something crams in his mouth. Mm-hmm. I I, it's 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 it's, it's extravagant to the extent to the point that it's funny. And I think that's a really kind of a weird it's a weird thing to get with revenge. Revenge feels like it should be sweeping and epic like Hamlet. We think of revenge as as this very like noble and kind of melancholy and brooding and mysterious. But this guy is just like, I will stab whoever I need to to make sure that my son is able to. Um, not
0: be a ghost anymore and do whatever. Uh, okay, so this um, you've seen the play. Yes. Is it good? It's good when it's done well. It's good when people know what oh, they're well, doing. That's, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's a caveat you could add to yes, And I
2: think it's it's especially good when it's when it's done to play up the humor because you don't really expect it. And at a certain point it becomes you stop kind of grimacing and groaning and you just start you're like, okay, I'm along for the ride. Let's just let's mm-hmm. see where this takes us. Yeah. I would say it doesn't like make me think big thoughts the way Hamlet does, but I would say, in terms of fun, a fun night at the theater, I would rather see the Spanish tragedy than think big thoughts right. about Hamlet.
1: Right. It's like how some shows, like, you just want to sit down and, and, pop through, right? Yeah. Like you, like yep. there's some shows that yep. you watch because they're enjoyable. And then there's some shows or some movies that are kind of a job to watch, the, right? You've got to show up with your whole self.
2: If the term popcorn entertainment had existed
0: in 1592, I think we could have mm. applied it to, what do you think they snacked on? You probably know, Ian, what did they snack on at the, at the, at the place back then, they would have snacked on uh, apples, uh,
2: tankards of ale. This sounds like like I'm 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 funny, but this is actually like we have archaeological evidence that they would sell that they would be they'd be selling um, roasted nuts. And people would crack the nuts and drop the nutshells on the ground. The nutshells oh, would be packed man. into the hard, the, the muddy uh, floor right, and yeah. create kind of a natural nutshell pavement. And this is one of the it's ways when you're doing archaeology in London, that you can see, ah, there was a playhouse here because there are like, Several inches deep of packed in nutshells from uh, pistachio <laughs> shells, peanut shells, um, etc. Yeah, no, maybe more like, like, no,
0: let's just let's let's let Ian answer these questions. <laughs> no, let's just keep guessing kinds of nuts. <laughs> Brazilian, they do Brazilian Mo- nuts. I these think are as mostly,
2: <laughs> well. you're mostly naming nuts from um uh the new world. But yeah, they, 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 they ate, they ate a lot of, they ate a lot of
0: nuts. And you <laughs> would also, you, they did those orange ones that are chewy. Um we should ask Ian more about Shakespeare stuff. It makes us sound really smart. Right. He does know a lot about it. Yeah. He's a Shakespeare doctor. The only other thing I would have to say about
2: about like Shakespeare stuff and and then this this play is the author. The author is really interesting because he was basically the dude who started off this genre of play which afterward became very 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 popular and very lucrative. So he was uh Thomas Kidd was his name, spelled K Y D. Um, he was, uh, just a a random playwright. We, we have maybe one or two other plays that he wrote surviving. The rest of them have, have disappeared. Um, they weren't printed or just, they don't like, we, we don't, we don't, we don't have access to them anymore. Um, and, um, he sort of had this brief career prompted a lot of people to imitate him. Shakespeare tried to imitate him and did a terrible job in the early 1590s. Um, and didn't come back to the genre again for uh, almost a decade. Um, and then after, after this play and, and one other Thomas kid kind of stopped, um, and he died kind of a sad, uh, a sad, lonely death, <laughs> uh, a couple <laughs> years after this play came out. Um, so, uh, you would expect that this dude who <laughs> sort of inaugurated the genre would have this, this triumphant career, but we might really say that. The art had its final revenge
0: Oh on him. man, put wow. that on his tombstone. And then he's died really? a sad, miserable, lonely death. Sad. He did. <laughs> he was,
2: he was that like, he was like thrown tombstones. in prison for being a, um, a member of, of the wrong political party and possibly was tortured there, got out really sick
0: and then died. Well, it sounds like it's hard to talk about this one, but it sounds, I like the peanut thing. That was really cool. Okay. Yeah, so, that was great. If you got nothing else, uh, the, the the lie, take away the lie that Joe said about about
2: the peanuts and the cow head. I like right. when Pistachios. you shared that story, uh-huh. Ian. Good job. Uh huh. Good yep. job today. Yep. Thank you. I did my best. Can I give you guys a can I do, can I do give you guys a Hobbit fact, please? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that was about a while. Yeah, we've been talking, guys. We've been having a lot of fun here today with cows and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to uh, I want to comment that there are in fact cows. In the Lord of the Rings universe, specifically, Tolkien couldn't resist himself, some epic farm animals. So there are normal cows, yes, but there are also cows, which are like, they're like capitalized. They're like, they're like named NPCs. Um, Mm. They were called the Kine of Ara, And they were so big that you could, you could take one of their horns and make a whole horn out of it. Specifically, when Boromir has that horn, (gasps) that is from one of these epic cows um, that lived over by where Mordor used to be. And um, it, when it gets broken, it's the last link to the epic cows of the, oh. of yes, the old the golden years of of uh, the golden age of yesteryear. So it's sad for another reason,
0: gentlemen. We have a lithead uh, recommendation here: a book and a theme. So um, real well, then, uh, mm-hmm. lily here is. Um, going above and beyond which we we love she writes in uh the face on the milk carton by carolyn b cooney you guys Mm -hmm. ever heard of her i don't know who that is i don't know who that is we don't know who that is lily but we're gonna find out Lily, could you give us a little more con little more context she's gonna give us some more context right now ian thank you for asking oh sweet lily writes uh this book is more of an easier read but when i tell you guys this book is good oh is it Oh, is it? Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, oh, it's oh is a question. I think I put the wrong tone on that one. Oh, oh is, is it? it? Oh. There's no question mark. Uh, I sat down up north, to, up north to read this book. I don't think she's from Wisconsin, but that's how we say it. Uh, to read this book and didn't put it down until it was finished. The drama, the mystery, the twists. I really like how it takes place in a time close to my time, but I didn't grow up in it. If that makes sense, I think it does. It's yep. definitely a comfort book for me, and I'd really like to hear your thoughts so next week, let's do comfort books. One of you can mm-hmm. bring this. Who wants to bring this? I'll read this one because I haven't been up north in quite some time. Maybe
2: this will take me back. It's possible. When she says up north, she's from Wisconsin. She's gotta be. Like, like you
0: don't like say up north, north, north is north if Wisconsin. You're not from, well, thing. Minnesota. Joshi writes, what books are similar to this one, yet at a more complex level? <laughs> <Do you laughs> oh, wait, put you at a more pl- complex
1: level? I didn't yeah. see that
0: part. Oh, you didn't see that part. Did you already pick a book? I did already pick a book. And it's, Is it complex? No. It's okay. Just make it sound complex. Yeah, okay.
1: I'm going <laughs> to, okay. I have a complex premise for you. Okay, This is a comfort book for me. This is a book that my, okay, in my memory, my fifth grade teacher read this book to us. Nick, this is the complexity in my book. It's about an elementary school that is built instead of, you know how elementary schools are like low and long and and like big, like low slung buildings. All of them. Yes. Mm -hmm. All of them. This elementary school, the builder had the plan sideways, so he built it vertically. And the book that I remember fondly from my childhood, the comfort book that I want to bring is the Sideways Stories from Wayside School, which apparently was published June 1st, 1998. And I don't believe it because I was in like seventh grade at that point. And that's too old for this. But I'm excited to revisit it. It's a book I haven't read since I was a kid. Um, And it's about a 30 story high. Elementary school. It's written by somebody named Lewis Secker.
2: What? That is the guy who wrote Holes. No, this is fascinating. I Sounds think like Holes is. is actually after. Oh, guys, we have a we have a hot piece of twenty year old literary history. I did not know that was the guy that wrote
0: Holes. This book is dope. Joseph, yes? you regaled us with your tales of heads. Um, can you share a little bit about your book, uh, which was a Lithead recommendation?
1: The Beast Must Die. Yes, it was a Lithead recommendation. It is a book that was written in 1938. And I don't really know how this Lithead came across this because I had the hardest oh, time finding a
2: copy of this book. Have we considered that the Lithead? Who is this, Nick? Do we know? Do you have a name? Lori? Lori. Is, is Lori perhaps Laurie. a time travelist?
0: I'll read her her comment here. Uh, uh, Revenge, also the selector of this uh, episode's theme. Thank you, Larry. Uh, The Beast Must Die, old crime story from the 1950s about a father trying to Surmount uh, the death of his child, complete with unreliable narrator for the maximum mystery. That is the maximum (laughs) mystery. Truly engaging. Uh, Was a bit of a bestseller when it came out since it's a bit old and original. A cool story to delve into could be contrasted with a more modern book. Oops, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, we picked the oldest book we've ever brought. What we actually did was we made this the more modern book, so we kind of turned... Turn that on its head a little bit. Uh, she does have a question here. Uh, have you ever killed a child? How old was that cow, Joe? Uh, that cow was,
1: well, it was like three,
0: but oh, in, so, in yeah. cow years, so, that's uh, like an adult.
1: Lori. yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Joe, yeah. what's the book about? Yeah. So this is a, it, it's a mystery book. It's, Lori's done a pretty good pitch for it here. It is an old crime story. It has an unreliable narrator. I would buy that as well. And it is a mystery book. The premise of this book is there is a mystery writer, like a mystery novel. Novelist in the book so remember how Ian's book had like a play within a play my book has like a guy that writes novels inside of this mystery novel
2: sounds like you're copying me
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. Well, yeah I agree Ian's, Ian's did come first so there's a mystery writer and this mystery writer's book um, this mystery writer's life before the book ever starts takes a turn for the worse when his young son is killed by a hit-and-run driver the guy speeds away and the local police have no leads to go off of.
0: Not great. Not a great start, Show Sounds like a downer. Keep going. It's not a
1: great start. But then the mystery writer goes, wait a second. I'm a mystery writer. Oh, no. I kind just- of dabble in this oh, stuff. Do you no. know how like, sometimes people start a
2: podcast to catch murderers? Bonus trope <laughs> of the week. I'm doing a bonus yeah. trope of the week. Wah, wah, wah. Listen, I hate this <laughs> trope when when the the person who writes the novels for a living or writes mm-hmm. the stories. All of a sudden, because they're good about do, good at doing fiction about mystery, right. therefore yes. they're good. It's a completely different style of mm-hmm. it's not realistic. Right.
1: This isn't how police work actually works. <laughs> Ian wants 700 pages of going through old files, dusting up old fingerprints, things like that. I do, I right. really he wants really a meticulous step very by nerdy. step.
0: Keep it to yourself. Yeah. Joe, keep talking about your book.
1: Yeah. So this mystery writer says, hey, the police have come up, like they have struck out. I'm going to take a look at this myself and in relatively efficient time in this book, he kind of gets to the bottom of it. He makes some pretty educated guesses about things like, oh, this guy, nobody, like nobody saw a damaged car and how fast he was going. The car must've been damaged. So I bet this guy owns an auto shop or else lives near to the place and like
0: he, uh, uh Yeah, never mind. Ian's right. This is ridiculous. I'm not qualified for this at all. Keep going, Joe.
1: But anyway, in a short (laughs) amount of time, he discovers the person who killed his son. Ah, He finds the person who killed his son. Spoilers. And then... Is that a nest? Well, yeah... And then he plans <laughs> so like,
0: yeah, that was a spoiler.
1: No, it was. It's, it's early in the book. It's like oh, 30 okay, pages okay, okay, okay. in. And then he makes a plot to get revenge on this person. Right. I read to you those very first lines of the book, right? The very first lines of the book are the writer saying, I'm going to kill a man. I don't know his name. I don't know where he lives. I have no idea what he looks like, but I'm going to find him and kill him. And this book In large part is kind of the writer figuring out how to do that. He figures out who the man is that needs to be killed. He comes up with all sorts of clever ways to kill this guy to like make it look like an accident. He arranges his life so he get like sidles into this guy's life in a natural way. So he can just like have proximity to this guy and access to this guy. And then we see his attempts to kill this guy, like this guy who killed his son. It is a revenge story that is meticulously plotted mm. and paced
0: mm. and thought through mm. and well. It-, it Sounds really dark, mm. Joe. Well, Really how dark story. does that get? Because it sounds really dark. Like a kid it's fun it's when, like, you're you know, you're high emotion. You're like, oh, I'm gonna kill that guy. I'm gonna chop. Yeah. I'm gonna first. I'm gonna kill a cow and then put a head on his. Car. No, no, no. But yeah. like, how long does this take? Is this is this so what they the, would
2: call malice A aforethought? Sounds like he's just a murderer at this point. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that is. premeditation okay, is, actually- is. It premeditation.
1: Oh, it's hundred percent premeditation. Yeah. Yes, a thousand percent premeditation. Sounds like no, no, okay. So that's what I want to get into here because I think that's what revenge is, right? Like, like if you are out at a bar and you get into an altercation with a guy and that guy punches you in the face and you punch him in the face back, I don't think that's revenge. I think you guys just had a fight, like it was just like a spur of the moment thing. You had a dust up. I think revenge is. You have been wronged and you want to plot a way to quietly, sneakily, but effectively get back at this person. And this guy's plotting. The writer of this book is uh, it, it is quiet. It is
2: sneaky. It is effective. OK, two, two thoughts. First of all, sure. how much
0: time there, has to pass?
2: Well, Before, like, yeah. Like, this, but, is, this is my question. Like, yep. yeah. At what point does it tip over from being like okay dude yeah you you're within your rights to to go after that that creepo to wow it's been 12 years, but bill I guess crazy. you're kind of Monte Cristo book <laughs> It is yeah. like that. Like he plots his revenge for a long time. It's like a decade for like his lifetime. He plans. Does this it.
1: guy deserve it? That's my question. Does this guy deserve it? Oh, that's one of the things that's satisfying about this book is the guy who we are out to kill here. Right? He definitely has it coming not only did he run this kid over right he's kind of remorseless about running this kid over and he's also just like kind of a big braggart and a cad and a womanizer like he's just not a likable character at all
0: and as we know people that aren't likable deserve to be murdered murdered gruesomely yeah um i was just gonna say you know what i think if somebody killed my kid i'd be like well this is the rest of my life right like i'm gonna fuck this guy up
1: The guy who wrote this book was a guy named Cecil Day-Lewis. And there's a couple things that are interesting about Cecil Day-Lewis. That, that
0: name sounds familiar because he said it last yeah, week. Yeah,
1: I say Cecil because he's British. I say Cecil Day-Lewis Could be. because Could be. he's Daniel Day-Lewis, famous actor, Oscar-winning actor. This is his dad right? His dad was a mystery writer. Yeah. More than being a mystery writer, though, he was like a legitimate poet. He was the poet laureate of Great Britain. And he was actually, Cecil, this is Mr. Day-Lewis. He was- A poet laureate. But the problem is, is like being a poet laureate doesn't pay the bills that well. So he had to make some side income. So he wrote mystery novels. He wrote something like 20 mystery novels in his lifetime. They were wildly popular. They were entirely written under a pen name because he did not want to be associated with like this, this scum mystery writing that he's putting together. And he made his living and a pretty good living from writing these 20 mystery novels um, while he was a poet in his day job.
2: Okay. I love that. I, I like, I love the idea of who are our fancy people, Ryan. Who are the fancy people? Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're Salman Rushdie. Salman, Salman Rushdie is like secretly, I don't know, doing Twitch streaming for a little bit of extra
0: care.
1: Or like erotica <laughs> or something like that. It's like, it's like, wow, Salman this-
0: Rushdie has an OnlyFans. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I, I think, I think that's the degree of like, for, for them,
2: this this very fancy Cecil day Lewis, poet laureate of the yeah. Great Britain, is also <laughs> writing
0: pulp like pulpy. like like
2: pulpy cheap stuff to
1: pay the bills. This which is, is Salmon,
0: Salmon Rushdie's uh, feet only fans where you
1: get <laughs> <laughs> under a pseudonym. You guys follow Salmon Rushdie feet on Instagram. Yeah, right? how's but that guy
0: doing? Out. He's fine. Uh-huh. He's probably fine.
1: Well, he's he's doing okay.
0: I think he lost use of one of his eyes. <laughs> wow! Well, oh, but that's why two. he got two.
1: The other thing that he did, which I thought was kind of cool, and he speaks about this, is he said, look, I didn't see why, like, this mystery writing, why it had to be a pulp genre, right? So he tried to do some things in this novel, in all of his novels, that sure. elevated the form a little bit. Yeah. So, for example, Nick, you remember epistolati- ep- epistolary novels? The, uh. the, the word, yeah. The, the word, yes. Epistolary novels are where like a novel is told through the, through correspondence, through diary entries, through letters back and forth. It's always a the gun. First, the first 40% of this novel is the murderers, like the, the guy who's heading out to get revenge. It is his diary, right? Day after day, as he writes, as he plots his revenge, you have a 100% view inside of this guy's head, the first 40% of this novel. Then, at the 40% mark, it totally shifts, right? It shifts. We get a third person narrator. We meet like this plucky detective with a great British name. His name is Nigel Strangeways, and we see him go to work. It's really good.
2: Yeah. yeah. Joe, we, and how's your him, British accent? Could you please say Nigel Strangeways
0: in a British I, accent?
1: I feel like I could say, I feel like if I was like looking in a mirror and nobody was around, I could yeah. say it, but I'm so nervous. Now. I'm
0: really good at things when nobody's around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Nigel N- Strangewise. N- Nigel Strangewise. Oh. No, Nigel. What, what kind of class Nigel. is he? Is he upper class, lower class? He sounds like trash. Is he lower class?
1: No, he's not. No, he's not lower class. He's like a gentleman detective. Well, it's not a gentleman detective. Like he, is he a courtier? He's not a courtier. <laughs> <laughs> he's Look somewhere do. between lower trash class girl, and a courtier. No, <laughs> <laughs> so like we see this great
0: detective. When did um, the courtiers die out? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, there's still there's still courtiers. There there are weird like we we discovered this with Queen Elizabeth dying. There are all kinds oh, of weird mm-hmm. positioned. There's a person oh like that um,
1: tall guy in all of, in all of her funeral pictures.
0: The tall guy, you know Ian, the tall one. Oh that, oh that was God. me actually. No, I was just over there for a research. <laughs> no no check. this guy uh, was really. There's like a tall. master of
2: corgis. There was a person who
0: was in charge of her corgis. That's, that's when you were trying to get the queen to uh, guest voice uh, one of the Yeah, and like we were, we like guys, we
2: were lit heads, we were this close. It was, yeah, oof, it was. We well, she signed queen, on, but and then she she, she's
0: the, like, I'd rather be yeah. a fan of the show. <laughs> <laughs> queen
1: she's Elizabeth dead. The second big fan of the show. When Laurie talks about the unreliable narrator, one of the interesting thing that's happening is like, the writer, the, the narrator of this book is telling us everything that he's thinking, like how he's plotting his revenge, how he's going to do it, like how he sidles into this guy's life. And then it turns out at a certain point that he plans on this diary getting discovered. So he's purposefully putting things in this diary to be red herrings and sneaky. Oh, this and- is a... This is a um uh uh Watchman situation. Yeah. Okay. So that was the other interesting thing about this. Nick, you've heard of who done before,
0: right? Uh mystery? Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. Like we've had yeah. a, I think
1: I believe we've had a who done it week on this show. Probably. God knows we've talked about everything whodunit. else. Yeah, who done it? This book is a weird combination between a who done it and this other kind of like side genre that people call a how catch him, right? How catch him. And the way how catch him's work. And, um, is
0: that legit? A legit? No, this is, this
1: is legitimate. Like you okay. can like look in how catch him. Um, sometimes they call it an inverted crime story. And in an inverted crime story, you're introduced to the murderer immediately in the crime story. And the whole point of the book is not saying, well, wait a second, who did this oh, crime? Sure, sure. It's, Got hey, it. we saw this guy do this crime. How are we going to catch them, right? How is like the detective going to put it together?
0: How is the detective detective going to finish this uh, to figure this all out? Sherlock Holmes, I feel like did both of those things in the books. Okay, never mind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I was was
2: trying to think of examples, but Mm -hmm. um,
0: well, like sometimes you like you know who like the big boss is. No, it's it's clear. Like it's it's got to be this dude. But the question is like. What,
2: what, how how is this gonna? Or how's he gonna
0: catch, catch him? him? Yeah, yeah. right. How, so I'm not how familiar with the
2: TV, TV. How catch
1: him?
0: How catch, how catch, how catch him. him? How catch
1: him? Have you guys ever seen the TV show Columbo?
0: Came out I think
1: like 30 years before we were all born, but yeah, I think. We, <laughs> <laughs> okay, exactly. So this is kind of the difference between like Columbo and Murder She Wrote. Like in Murder She Wrote, <laughs> you guys know these shows, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're really trying to hit a different demographic with this week's episode. <laughs> It's a weird combination of those two things. It's not a pure whodunit, and it's also not a clear how catch them, and it's also not a pure epistolary novel. It's it's kind of a weird amalgamation of these three things that Cecil Day Lewis has put together in an attempt to elevate the genre. It's cool. It's about revenge. um, It is meticulously plotted. It really keeps you on your toes. It's. like, I think I, I listened to this on audiobook is how I it was the only way I could end up finding it. And I want to say the audiobook was three hours long, which is tiny for a book. I would guess it's like 120 pages or something like that. Yeah, that's pretty short. It was written in 1938, but it feels really modern. Like they actually just made a TV show out of it. Like there's a TV series that's on BBC and AMC Plus, which has been coming up a lot lately in my life. And I don't know anybody that has. I don't like it one bit.
0: But it's <laughs> awesome <end> on that. <laughs> yeah, It's, It it's
1: it's awesome. I liked it. I I I'm happy I read it. So thank you, Lithead Lori.
0: Uh welcome to Tiffany's a safe space where Joe and Ian, you guys can tell me all the bad things about your book and it won't be held against you. Um and you can put that in the bank.
2: Is it worth how much is it worth?
0: Nothing. Joe, you go first. Okay. The
1: only thing I didn't like about this book, I don't think <laughs> really has anything to do with this book. I think it's just that like Were you in a bad I'm, mood? Well, I think I'm kind of allergic to the genre a little bit. Oh, like boy. when I well when there I read a mystery again. novel, I just find myself like I play along and I kind of guess at who the killer is, but I don't think I'm actually good at guessing who the killer is. Like, I mostly just want them to show me. I, I want the denouement. Like, I want the unnodding. I want them to show me how all the pieces come together. Like, my favorite part of the of the twist movie is when you have like the flashback and the pieces were there all along. That's all I want to see. I don't want to try to figure out those pieces as I go. So my safe space here, Nick, is I, I don't think I like who very much or how cat jumps.
2: Not even not even this one could save you. Well, that's too bad, Joe. I yeah, really enjoyed too bad, mine Joe. this week. <laughs> um, my my Tiffany's my Tiffany's is that this is a convoluted play. Um there is mm-hmm. deception, there's misunderstanding. You have to read with, with like the list of characters in the hand because all of their names end with O. Um, no, and no. You get kind of you get kind of that's confused Spanish that, but for but i mean that's a, that's par for the course I'm man
0: the truth comes right. out sounds like these books suck uh <laughs> ian you lose joe you don't hurt me um <laughs> i don't bad. i don't want I any heads now. on my premise premises premise i is it premises his it's premises premises are you just pronouncing that differently it's just premises premises, premises. Lit, heads,
2: lit heads if you'd like to get your recommendations off of your premises and into ours right uh, i'd like to say to you how catch him how catch him over to our website we're trying to get ahead of of what nick you didn't think that through did you the new year www. you don't yeah, know mm-hmm. where you can suggest a book or request a sticky and we will <laughs>
0: <laughs> fuck <laughs>
2: Jesus. We will give you we will give you a sticky or five. And please. you know what? We'll maybe even do your talk about your book on the on the podcast show. Um recommend the podcast, please, to friends, romances, romance lovers. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> to Joe. Congratulations to Who it Beasts Everywhere, mm-hmm. and most especially to How catch him, which is my new favorite word. How catch How him. Catch How him. catch, How him, catch him, him to you. How catch him to How Joe How catch him.
1: I have a very short quote. i bought it read it. I'm gonna kill a man. I don't know his name. I don't know where he lives. I have no idea what he looks like. But I'm going to find him and kill him.
0: Joe, you didn't a bring a quote this week. With the cow head Joe on his only brought one quote, and he already read it. That was weak. I don't, okay, it's so You're hard. I don't right. have
1: a physical copy of this book. I don't. <laughs> How will you weak. take
2: revenge on Joe for that by by reverting reverting the wind to me? Ian, do you want to read a quote? <laughs> I don't I have, I have a physical a copy quote. of the I book. Read, I'm gonna read a quote. Quiet, Joe. <laughs> I'm gonna read a closing quote from towards the end of my of my story when our big boy Hieronymo uh, has just finished one of his little revenge plots. He says Mary, this follows for Hieronymo. Here break we off our sundry languages and thus conclude I in our vulgar tongue. Happily you think, but bootless are your thoughts that this is fabulously counterfeit and that we do as all tragedians do. To die today for fashioning our scene, the death of Ajax or some Roman peer in a minute starting up again revive to please tomorrow's audience no princes no i am heronimo the hopeless father of a hapless son whose tongue is tuned to tell his latest tale not to excuse gross errors in the play i see your looks urge instance of these words behold the reason urging me to this and then he whips out the body of his dead son see here my show look on this spectacle here lay my hope and here my hope hath end here lay my heart and here my heart was slain here lay my treasure here my treasure lost here lay my bliss and here my bliss bereft but hope heart treasure joy and bliss all fled Failed, died, yea, all decayed. With this, from forth these wounds came breath that gave me life. They murdered me that made these fatal marks. Then he bites out his tongue a little bit later. Oh,
0: oh, my
1: tongue, my tongue. <laughs>